Hey, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem Podcast, where we aim to help you, the big-hearted change maker with a bold vision to build a business that gives you butterflies and a life that makes you want to high-five yourself. How? By addressing the interconnected nature of all that you do. From marketing to mindset and everything in between, we believe your business is more ecosystem than monoculture and that when it comes to creating sustainable success, it's all connected and there is no one-size-fits-all formula. Join us for conversations that embrace nuance, elevate the importance of empathy, and address the diverse and unique strengths that enable entrepreneurs to not just make money, but to make real lasting positive change in a regenerative and revolutionary way. Well, hello there and welcome back to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem. We are really excited to talk to Robin Buchanan. Am I saying your last name right? It's Buchanan. Buchanan. Okay. I've got the super phonetic. My full last name is like, just say it how it's spelled. So that's (laughs) ingrained in my brain. But that's good. Okay. okay. Robin Buchanan. And Robin is a mom, a wife, a nurse, a YouTube creator, a life and focus coach. She lives on Vancouver Island where she hikes and gardens and started this journey toward minimalism because she was overwhelmed coming home to a cluttered house after working in the emergency department. I'm sure a few of us can relate at least to the cluttered house part. My hand is raised high up in the air. Robin has also has three teen boys and two have ADHD and her husband does also. So after decluttering, she recognized how important a decluttered environment was to helping focus and happiness. And not only could her family focus more on homework and chores and all the things, but so could she. So she's been helping people minimize and create a supportive environment, systems, and routines ever since. I got to say her YouTube channel is truly a beautiful rabbit hole that I cannot wait to go down because I definitely personally need some of this minimalism magic in my own life. And I think it would be so great for my own family. Yeah. And we're Instagram friends. You're like my very first friend. I call you a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, But I connected with on Instagram when I started like posting stories and stuff and talking about like the state of the world a bit. And um, I remember Dawn would always encourage me to post stories and I was so resistant to that. And, and then having relationships like ours flourish from that comfort zone stretch really was just so special. So thank you for being my Instagram friend. <laughs> thank you too for being my Instagram friend. And thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. 
Mm. I love that because you don't know how excited Shanti was when she started having Instagram friends from posting <laughs> stories. And I didn't know that that was, she told me today, she's like, it's my Instagram friend. I was like, okay. like, <laughs> And now I get it. Like, yeah, I do remember Shanti when you started posting stories and you're like, oh my God, people are replying. I think I'm like making friends. And I don't know how much we've spoken about this, but Shanti is a great friend, but She's not very like comfortable trying to make them. So yeah, isn't that interesting that Zuckerberg's meta world could actually have some some good to it some of the time. So I am so honored to meet you and thank you for connecting back to Shanti because she definitely needed that. And also I'm not gonna hmm, shit talk your minimalistic needs Shanti, but I think, yeah, watching that YouTube could probably be really useful. Um, but I, I don't know, like when you have three kids in a farm, right? There's just lots of stuff. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. And we'll get into this a little bit. And I know you, so Robin is focused on helping people with ADHD and neurodivergencies. And I Googled beforehand, I was like, is it neurodivergences or neurodivergencies? And Google did not give me a clear answer. So just for the record, if I'm saying that wrong, fill me in. But my husband has ADHD too. And there's like, there's stuff I want to talk about there. But first, Mm. I'll let you ask our signature question. Well, Robin, you are a podcast listener. So you probably maybe are prepared, but... Do you identify with any of the characteristics of your astrology or human design or Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or DISC or StrengthsFinder? I mean, I could could keep going, but I'll stop there. Is there anything there that like actually like calls to you? And it's okay if you don't, we can all still be Instagram friends anyway. Okay. Well, I am. Okay. So I can't remember. I'm Leo and I I figured out whatever the rising was, but I can't remember now. But uh, I'm also an INFJ. Okay. And I am a projector, which is another thing Shanti and I connected on. And I have really struggled with Enneagram. I can't seem to pin myself down on that one. But yeah. And so I really have been connecting more definitely with uh, the projector part and also just being such an empathic person. And even like in my coaching, I'm seeing how I have to be careful with that, but how it is actually like a total strength because I can be very like passionate and people can pick up on that. But yeah, so those are sort of like, those are all that I know about myself now. (laughs) Mm, How has understanding your projector specifically, how has that influenced your approach to your business and your life? I think just really being aware of my energy level, especially as time goes on, I, because I am a nurse, but also an entrepreneur. And so I've had to, I know now that I only have so much time in the world and only so much energy to give. And I need to give like the best of my energy to my family And so I have to delete things if I'm going to add things. And so as a projector, I've really noticed that in particular, and just sort of like how my energy has to be guarded, like so carefully. So that is definitely one thing I've noticed for sure. How about you? Because you're also a projector. Yeah, well, I love that phrase, delete things before you add things. I just 
I get hit over the head probably once a week, at least with that message. And somehow I still don't quite embody it, but (laughs) it's getting there. But yeah, really that tuning into this principle of energy first and constant check-ins of like, is what I'm doing right now draining my energy or is it doing the opposite? And, and if it's draining to walk away and do something that's going to fill my cup, even if it's just stepping out of my office and smelling a lupin flower or something, it doesn't have to be a big, a big shift, little things tend to make a huge, huge difference. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I actually, now I guard my energy probably above almost everything else. Like I, uh, in the last few days, and I'm not sure a part of it was like related to my cycle or whatever, but I was just like, I need to focus on my energy. So on my mirror, I have a post set and it says like exercise, you'll feel great because I always feel great after exercise. And then it was like affirmations manifest and meditate. Mm. And when I do those things, I feel absolutely incredible. So yeah, yeah, like my energy is, is absolutely like key. Otherwise I'm like useless to everybody, especially Mm. to myself. I think also like decluttering is so good for having more energy. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. we'll get more, more into that during the rest of the pod, but I am a full-fledged adult now and I have so much less clutter than I did before. And it was like a decades, I'd say probably, well, yeah, probably like a, well, longer, maybe two and a half decades long journey where I would say in the last, maybe the last three moves or two moves in my life, I just kept on getting rid of more things with each move. I still have lots of things. I love like pictures of mushrooms and like, you know, but now I live in a really tiny place and most of my stuff I left in Shanti's and her um, big storage thing that she has on her farm. But I, I feel like life is so much more easeful with just these like small amounts of things that I have in my small place. And I feel like I wake up in the morning and it's like clear so I can be clear Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty high functioning. So I was pretty high functioning with like piles of clothes around or like just too many knickknacks and things, but yeah, energetically, if you can like clear the table or the counter, or I have so many shoes and my tiny little home has exactly enough space for all of those shoes so that, and they're hidden. I'm just trying to say, what am I trying to say? That it's just so much easier to function if you're not surrounded by uh, yeah, like things, clutter. I, and I love things. So I'm not saying it like I couldn't get rid of everything. I, I'm going to keep all my shoes, but <laughs> I don't want them at the front door when I get in, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't think it matters what your Enneagram is, or I think, I think we're like really committed to being like high functioning in chaotic environments in this time of mm. existence. And it's beautiful to offer people a chance to maybe 
have environments that are more optimized for any level of functioning, like maybe let's screw high functioning too, like energetically. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not even always about functioning, right? It's like for me, if I want to sit down, do nothing, just chill the F out, I actually can't do that until the space around me is clean and organized. And it drives my husband insane because he's like, you don't need to do that right now. Like you've been like working all day or like I'll come home from doing something. And I can't sit down and chill unless I, I can visually see that like all the things are taken care of. So that's a thing too. That's really common. And that's actually how I got on that journey how I got on my journey of minimalism, because I would go work in the emergency department, come home. Like I'd be working 12 hours in, you know, the busy, the third busiest hospital in BC, funny enough. And yeah. And so, and then I would come home and be looking at piles of things and thinking, okay, like I can't relax. I need to clean up, even though like, I mean, I really just need to fill my cup with my family. And so I remember reading an article and I think it was like, I just remember it being like December 28th because it was like one of the like seven worst days of the year (laughs) between Christmas and New Year's. And I was reading and it said that women are really affected by clutter. And I think like, honestly, our brains in a lot of ways are wired differently. And so if we see stuff around, like we cannot relax if we know there's work to do. So for me, since I have started decluttering, I am able to relax. Actually, currently we are getting new counters after saving money and doing like getting a new backsplash. So right now there's no drywall on my backsplash. So stuff is spread around the kitchen and I can like feel that in my energy right now. And I'm just like, like trying to breathe through that. But since our house has usually been so tidy, it's been amazing. And even my husband, my ADHD husband, who loves to have like the TV on, a video playing on his phone and music playing in the background. Like he is like all about like chaos. Even he is like, no, actually, I really do prefer a minimal environment. And so it really affects our brains and people who think they're okay with it. I don't even think they usually are. They're just not aware of what it's like not to be in a more calm environment. Mm. Yeah. So I think that I just partitioned off part of my brain when I was like a more cluttered person. I think I just partitioned off part of my brain and, or brain, I don't know, my mind, what have you. And just like, actually like blurred my eyes. So I wasn't seeing the things. And I'm sure that probably caused all sorts of other problems because you're probably like, if you can do that with the physical things around you, you're probably also doing it with the other things in your life that are bothering you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, our, I'm just, I'm just thinking about like the masks on the ground or like just Mm. the clutter of our entire globe right now. We probably all are kind of blurring our eyes and partitioning our minds in order to like just survive, let let alone high function, which like leads me to this question. I know you're working with minimalism on your YouTube and it you came to it from ADHD, but I am actually really interested in this like idea of how the whole environment or our, our environments like affect us. Yeah. Just, so can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So 
our environment, it's so funny because a lot of people like they talk about food, water and shelter being so important and food and water get so much attention. But, you know, in the Western world, we're very lucky that, you know, most of us have houses. But what is that environment like? How does it what does it consist of? How many people have gone to a hotel room and been like, I feel relaxed until all of a sudden you open your suitcase and there's stuff everywhere. But we feel calm in a more basic environment with not a lot of stuff around. And even when you're at home, like in your office, if you have like drawers crammed with things, it's not as relaxing as knowing that behind those drawers, everything is organized. Mm. The stuff out for sure is much worse. But I feel like overall, there are so many negatives to being in a cluttered and chaotic environment that number one is mood. We, our mood can just completely dip. Like for me, if there is stuff everywhere, I am like on edge, even if I'm not trying to be. And a lot of people, they're like, no, I can relax in a cluttered environment. I'm like, yeah, but you can probably relax better in a decluttered environment. And because often we're sort of like, well, I'm tired, but I'm not like fully at peace. Mm -hmm. So there's that mood for sure. Focus is absolutely huge. So in this world right now that we are in, focus is a commodity. Like Mm -hmm. so many things are trying to steal our focus. Like whether or not you have ADHD, you, you are struggling to maintain focus in a lot of what you do. Like even if it's just to like watch a YouTube video, you often will then pick up your phone, you know, if you're watching it on TV and, and to get things done, it's a real struggle because if you're in your office and you have things all around you, if you're working at home, or even if you're at a place of business, you are going to have trouble focusing if there is all of that stuff around you and you are feeling distracted. And then I think one of the biggest is creativity can suffer huge. And if you are in you know, if you're an entrepreneur or if you are an artist of any sort, you're, you know, you're both copywriters, you need to be in like the zone to get that done. And if you are being distracted by stuff sitting around you, it is going to bother you. Like you've got, you know, my desk yesterday when I left, my desk was clean, but at the moment I've got like a couple tax things here. I've got a sign and I'm like, Oh, you know, like I'm aware of that. And so instead, like if I, at the end of the day, I make sure that my desk is nice and clean and, and like, I have things where they need to go, I can come down in the morning and like dive into that creativity so much more easily. Mm. And of course, like energy, energy is absolutely huge. Like our energy like Shanti and I, we both are, you know, projectors, like our energy is, is huge. And other people, you know, even if you're like an energetic extrovert who just, you know, is like woo, full of energy, you still are, are affected by a bunch of stuff around you. Even if you are a person who has like literally feels like you thrive well in chaos, you thrive better in, in a decluttered environment. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I can't tell you how many times I sit down to write or work on something and like my desk is a mess. I'm like, oh, I just clean my desk first. (laughs) It needs to happen or I'm not going to get anything done. Mm -hmm. So you work with entrepreneurs and people with ADHD, focus issues, neurodivergence slash neurodivergencies. Yeah. What are the unique challenges that these populations face? So a lot of the time they're 
they're really struggling with shame. Shame is probably number one. And in particular, all people with ADHD or the neurodivergencies or neurodiversities, like there's so, it's funny, like spell check is always like, that's not a word. And I'm like, yes, it is. (laughs) But it honestly is, they have shame. And in particular, a lot of the women that I work with who are in their thirties and forties and beyond, actually, they have, they were not diagnosed as children with ADHD or, you know, whatever. And so they were basically felt made to feel like they were stupid or disruptive or like they talked too much. And so they honestly just have felt bad about themselves, but there's actually a lot of like power that comes with that, that I can get to in a bit, but honestly, like they just feel so much shame. And even as adults, a lot of them in their, you know, when they've got kids or they're running a business or something, they, they're just like, oh, like I should be better at this. Like one of my clients is always just like, she just beats herself up. And I'm just like, okay, you need to be giving yourself some grace because like, number one, you're dealing with a brain disorder. And even if you have not been diagnosed with ADHD and maybe you don't have a neurodiversity, you are living in a world that is designed to distract you. Mm. So a lot of people, they are really struggling with shame. Yeah. Can I ask? So I'm just curious, neurodiversity, neurodivergence, like how do we define that? So a lot of people, it could, it could, there's a, it's a huge umbrella term, like ADHD would fall under that. And it could be, they have autism or or like they're on the spectrum or they have ADHD There can be many things. A lot of like mental illness can fall under that. And and it honestly is just sort of like the ability to do executive function, which is sort of like completing any task. Mm -hmm. Executive function is impaired in people with ADHD and a lot of other things. So they really struggle to get things done. But there's actually, unfortunately, the problem is there's so much focus put on the negativity, but there are so many like good things Mm -hmm. that actually come along with those. But, you know, back to the issues that they struggle with, there's disorganization, which is huge. And again, like if you want to be creative or you're trying to run a business or do anything, organization of some sort is important. You know, you need to, I mean, digital organization is a huge thing. A lot of people don't recognize they try to go digital, but then it's like chaos, you know, in their hard drives and their computers and like distraction. Like I said, everything in the world right now, it seems like it's like designed to distract you. I actually just did a video. I just made a video and it was about uh, just how we are like the, the Facebook feed used to end. It used to say you're up today, but it doesn't anymore. It literally goes on forever. And it's the same if you're watching Netflix, like the next thing is queued up to start within 10 seconds because they don't want you to stop. So you have to honestly have like pattern interrupts to stop. Mm -hmm. And so people without ADHD, they already are struggling with that. Mm -hmm. So those people who are already have ADHD, it's even harder. And of course, like I said, focus. I got to say that I was on TikTok for a couple months because Shanti would send me such awesome things. And my other friend would send me such awesome things. But I got on the like neurodivergent stream of TikTok. And I don't have any reason to believe that I have ADHD or that I'm neurodivergent. But pretty much a lot of those videos were like, I, I am like that. And I I, I have the ability to focus and, and to, to finish a task. And 
it's, it's not a thing, but it's, but I also have the ability to do a number of things at once and yeah, sure. Be focused in one direction, but also like have like that edge on another. Anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it seems like all of us might be suffering from suffering from a level of uh, neurodiversity or perhaps the idea that there's such a thing as normative neurological patterns is something we can let go of because mm-hmm. um, there's no need to be ashamed of, of how your brain works, especially like you said, when absolutely everything is not just meant to distract us, but it's meant to like emotionally evoke action. Right. So even if you are focused, that ping, that noise, like I don't have any notifications on my phone and all of that sort of thing. We use Shanti introduced me to oh, what's it called? Newsfeed eradicator, which is where you can interrupt your patterns on your own. So like if I'm on my on my computer, like my Facebook, my Instagram, my Twitter, like all of that is just like I have to ask for it to show me the feed. Yeah, but I think uh, distraction and, and clutter, digital clutter, sure, on our computers, but actually just like everywhere, like we have no control over that. So I think it's really beautiful that you're giving people some tools to work with the clutter that they actually can work with in their lives. Because, yeah, I live in a busier city now, and it's crazy to me how much is going on all the time in comparison to like little Nakast where I was living before, where there's, you know, not even a billboard, you know? <laughs> yeah. Not even a stoplight. Barely a stop sign. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was yeah, in the it, cusp years ago. Oh, <laughs> as a kid. Yeah. It's probably not very different. No. And um, <laughs> like there was a spaciousness to like the sensations around me. My environment was different than it is now. I'm fine with what's going on now, but it, I, I could definitely see why so many people could be fed those TikTok memes and be like, oh, maybe I do have ADHD. And my understanding is people are actually getting like, they're like getting diagnosed by TikTok, going to their doctors and then actually getting diagnosed too. Yeah. I I don't know much about ADHD and like whether or not it's something you're born with or something that develops. Is that something we even know as human beings? Uh, The latest thing I've heard was that they, that it is, there is a genetic component, but like a lot of genetic things, environmental things can turn the genes yeah. off and on. I mean, I have two and a half kids with it. I would say <laughs> one kid doesn't need uh, medication, but two of them have it. And honestly, mm-hmm. without it, I don't know what their lives would be like. We hesitated putting our first child to that was diagnosed on it. But, you know, when I learned about how the prefrontal cortex is working at sort of like a lower level than that of a person with ADHD or then a neurotypical person giving them the medication, it's a stimulant. So it sort of brings like the function of the prefrontal cortex up. And so when we finally, after waiting a year, put him on that medication, it was like a completely different kid. Like he was able to focus. He's hugely creative. He's like one of the most gifted guitar players, um, you know, at at the age of 14. And so that's incredible. And what his self-esteem would have been like up to that point. So I'm not necessarily like saying everybody, you know, like I bring medication up because it's such a, like a part of this diagnosis, but mm-hmm. other people, like for me, I have not been diagnosed with ADHD. I've talked to my doctor about it. 
I don't need med- medication to regulate myself because I have like such good routines and, and different strategies, but I've had two like huge concussions mm. in my life. You know, when I was 18 months old, I fell a story and a half out of window or out of a window and landed on rocks on my head. <laughs> so, you know, there's some focus issues there, but I, I have strategies to deal with that. So like, could I be diagnosed? Maybe, I don't know. Like it just sort of depends, but I do think it does come down to like the genetics and like the environment people are, are in my husband. Like, I mean, he could not be more textbook ADHD. (laughs) Okay. So we live in this crazy distracted world. I mean, I feel like we're being engineered yeah. to have very short, pathetic attention spans, mm-hmm. um, whether we have the diagnoses or not. There's so much coming at us from all directions. What are some strategies? Like, what are you doing? How are you supporting your clients with this so that they can still make, I guess, their lives feel meaningful and productive. I think the first thing that I like to definitely establish is what is their superpower. Now, the superpower thing is also kind of controversial in the ADHD world because some people are like, no, it's like a brain disorder. It's Mm -hmm. not a superpower. And I'm like, for sure. But the thing is, you can't get rid of it. So we need to embrace the good that also comes with it because there's so much so many things in the world that, you know, the universe or God has given us that are, we need to be like, thank you for this struggle in a lot of cases. And so people with ADHD, a lot of the women that I've talked to in particular, they have an incredible ability to hyper-focus on tasks. And so, you know, a lot of us, we call it like getting in flow, And, you know, I, myself last week was working on my website and I like just put my AirPods in and I was just like going, it was like, I don't know I started at four 30 and I finally at six 30 had to like drag myself away. So that is the hyper-focus. And a lot of them, a lot of people with ADHD, they actually will like have to pee for two hours and not go and they'll forget to eat. And, you know, there are other things that may fall by the wayside. So that can be a struggle, but it's also a huge, huge power to harness. So if we can determine what their strengths are, other strengths are, um, a lot of people with ADHD are hugely, hugely creative in in a really extraordinary way. Other people, they're amazing problem solvers because they can look at things so differently than the neurotypical person, the neurotypical mind. And one lady I talked to, she said she, she could almost like see the future in that she could picture so many steps down the line, how things would turn out. So she was able to say like, no, we should do this instead, or maybe if we do this. So there are a lot of huge, huge benefits that I think number one need to be established when we are talking with somebody with ADHD or even just focus problems. I mean, everybody has different gifts and it's better to work with what gifts you have versus trying to fight against your struggles and then trying to adapt to the things that we, that we do have to overcome. So, like I said, I'm a huge, huge proponent of being in a calm environment and that might look different to you than it does to me. So for me, I want to be in like a pretty calm room. I'm, I'm in my office, which has white walls, painting, one picture of my family on my desk. If I want a different picture, I swap them out. I just have one picture. 
and, you know, my desk and, or my mouse, my keyboard and a pencil and a pad of paper, you know? And so like, for me, that's what I need. A lot of people with ADHD though, they need, they need cues. So they may need something left out. A lot of them, they need to leave their medication out like on their nightstand. So they remember to take it in the morning or they might need to leave out their planner so that they remember to use it. And so that's okay. Like you do what works for you. Some people would not be comfortable with the level of minimalism in my office, which honestly I call our, us, our family reasonable minimalists, which I hope is derogatory to people who are more extreme, but <laughs> we just keep what serves us. We, and we don't keep what doesn't serve us, right? Mm. We don't use it. We don't keep it. And it, it goes the same in your office. So if you take, you know, five, you know, I've got a, a trick you can do where you close your eyes for five seconds and then you open them and you look at your environment. And if there's anything like that does not belong there, remove it. It doesn't mean you have to get rid of it, but like put it away. If you don't use highlighters every day, put them away. Or if you, you know, and like post-its, be very careful with post-its. So there's, you know, like taking five minutes to get in the zone before you get to work. And sometimes that does involve like scrolling on Instagram. If you can pull yourself away from that with a, mm. maybe that app you talked about, Dawn, or maybe a timer or something like that. So, Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to talk about this cue thing because with Colin, my husband, that's he needs the cues. And that, but that's part of what drives me crazy because I'm like, there's stuff all over the place. It's not where it should be. And he's like, but I need to see it or I won't use it. So, yeah, things like supplements, keys, so many things. Recently, he erected this huge, it's like a piece of glass that he can like write on and plan on and just anything that's in his brain, like put it there. And I think that's helped, but with the actual stuff, stuff, it's like, okay, I know you need to see that gut formula, but it doesn't belong on the windowsill. So any strategies for balancing that? Yeah, it it is a it is a hard balance. So I would consider, you know, like asking him what things are like vital that he leaves out. For me, my very favorite way of like doing anything is I have my planner that like literally like if I'm not if I don't have it in my room, I'm like, where's my planner? Like I need to get it. And I love tick boxes. So I just like make a little square and I take it off and it needs to get done. And so maybe on his board of glass, he could consider putting like something that is like, and I mean, I'm all about dopamine, like dopamine mm -hmm. and I are like best friends. And so if I have the box that I can tick off, I get a little dopamine hit and I'm like, yeah. So it'd be like supplements. Right. And he could literally like carry it over as long as he doesn't like fall into the trap of, of, um, where it's sort of like, it's there so much that he doesn't see it, but mm -hmm. it's, there are certain things I think you just need to prioritize what needs to be left out because I know my husband, I swear I have people, I can't remember what the stat is. It's like we spend two years of our life looking for things. I think for me, it will be 15 <laughs> because he is lost. He loses things constantly. 
I mean, yeah. So I, I get like leaving things out and I will be like, I, like there's the key bowl. I would say his keys end up in the bowl about half the time, which is actually very good. My stuff goes missing all of the time because everybody knows where my stuff is. <laughs> they don't know where their stuff is. So it is a struggle, but with people, all people, but in particular people with ADHD, it's always good to work on like one thing at a time. So maybe he could like put his supplements away and, and have like a, checkbox or something on his piece of glass that can remind him. Because for me, I have like, I don't know, like 10 to 15 things I do every day. I can't leave all that stuff out or I certainly don't want to. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Right. But some sort of external reminder visual, I think that's really key. Yeah. And even for myself when planning and working on big projects where there's lots of moving pieces. It's so critical to have that live somewhere and to be able to track it and track progress. And if something doesn't get done on a certain day to be able to move it forward. And this is something I've always struggled with because just sort of naturally am more chaotic and all over the place, but having a team and having multiple people involved in projects, we've really realized the importance of that. And it's made a huge, huge difference. And those boxes, that little dopamine hit, that is life. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. hello, give me a ticky box. (laughs) Yeah. Dustin, my assistant, he's like, why don't I just put this on your calendar instead of putting it on your ticky box list? And I'm like, no, put it in both places. I need to tick it. I need to. I know I have like my planner and I've got like, I don't know if you can see that. I'm just going to describe it for the listeners, but I've got like my daily chores and then I cross it out. I'm like daily joys because this is a plum planner and you can customize it. And so I, I wrote like workout manifest affirmations, meditate, and then my fitness pal, just because I'm trying to get like more protein. And so then I also have the tiki box down below. So then I get to like check twice. So I mean, there comes a point where there's too much, but I think twice is good. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Are you guys using notion? Did I hear that on a past podcast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah it's well. created some Epic notion systems. It's, it's amazing. And it is highly comfortable too which is like, I got to see Shari's notion yesterday, which she has like totally customized to, to suit her planning style. And visually it's completely different from mine, the layout, everything. And it works for her. And it's just so great that we can like kind of create those distinctions that serve us. And that's just it. Like people, need to like I feel like so much right now in the world people are like what's wrong with me and I'm like well Mm. let's see what's like right with you and we'll work with that and it's exactly the same with planners or notion or whatever um you know like you make it work for you and that's what's beautiful about everything and I think honestly like so many people now I'm noticing are just loving noticing the distinctions, but not in a like, oh, something's wrong with me. It's like, hey, like, how can we make this work? And oh, I like how you do that. Like, I will do that too or whatever. But it is definitely, I think just project management, once you get that little bit under your belt, it is so amazing to be productive. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, but there's also an archetype associated with project management and planning mm-hmm. and organization. And that archetype association is, it's almost like a closed door. It can feel like I don't, I don't have that within me. So I'm not even going to try. Mm-hmm. And that was me for the longest time. And with working out too, with lots of things mm-hmm. was like, well, I'm not like, I've never been good at sports. I'm not, I'm not like naturally that fit. So like, why even bother? But it's such a limiting mindset mm-hmm. to, to put ourselves in those boxes just because our society puts us in those boxes. Like, no thanks. Yeah. I'm going to admit that like, I don't get off on ticking boxes on a checklist, <laughs> you know, right. like, fair enough. And, yeah. I, and I miss my notion from being on your team. Dustin was like, you're not using this, right? Can I get rid of it? And I'm like, oh shit, I don't know how to set that up for myself. So now I'm like back to the old school, but I don't have, so I don't know, maybe this is part of the reason I get served the TikToks of uh, the neurodiversity. Like I feel like, uh, yes, I think it would be better not to hold everything in my brain, but I feel like I can actually hold quite a lot of like to-dos and project things in my brain, which is probably why I was a great first full-time employee for Shanti, because we could like actually relate on that. And it wasn't until we brought other people in that it was like, okay, we actually like need to do like, it can't just be Dawn and Shanti fishing around in the drive in the Google drive. I'm like, oh yeah, I know where that is. It's in this Mm -hmm. strange. Yeah. And I wonder, is that because I know you're not only working with people with ADHD, right? And that, and that this decluttering and this organizing and this minimalism thing probably works well, regardless of being neurotypical or not. But um, yeah, is that a sign or not a sign, but are you going to tell me like, no, you're wrong. You can't hold that all in your brain. That's what I'm wondering. Am I wrong? Can I not hold it all in my brain? Tell me, Robin. (laughs) No, like you're not wrong. You, I like, I would say like, do what works for you. Like if it's working for you, if it's working for you, that is great. I used to have so much going on that I could not keep track of. And honestly, I, it's actually funny because when I had my third child, I went to the doctor and I was like, I can't remember anything. And she's like, you have three children. So honestly, it it just becomes, if it works for you, then that is good. I have, yeah, like there's I have to write it down. And I do get off on the ticky boxes, but I wasn't like that forever. I mean, when I was in nursing school, I would write out every single assignment for the whole semester. And I mean, there was like journaling once a week was in there too. So there were like, I don't know, 50 or 60 things. And so I loved crossing it off. And that was sort of just like enough for me to be like, okay, I got it. But like for you, if it is working for you now, great. If it's not in the future, Mm there are a lot of things that you can do. And the other thing is with Notion, you can actually get like somebody to copy their template for you. Yeah. I was going to say like when um, Dustin was organizing those things for me, I I would happily create my daily tasks and put them all on there and like, and do that. Right. And, And I, 
And I enjoyed checking them off too. But then he was like, why are you leaving these all on here? Like, doesn't that stress you out? I'm like, look at all the things I got done. That's what I was excited about. It wasn't clearing notion that made me feel good. It was like seeing how much of a mountain I had moved that week that, that like gave me the joy. I also, when I was in university used to do that, I put everything into the book and then I just didn't look at the book anymore. Like didn't look at the planner and was like, yeah, I'm, I'm rocking five classes. I got five papers due this week. No problem. Yeah. But maybe again, that's that like partitioning of the brain and the blurry eye thing. Like that, just that skill, maybe that's one of my superpowers. And that's why it, yes, it probably, I don't think I could be like uh, doing what I was doing for Shanti without having that level of organization. But my projects right now are at a level where it can all kind of fit nicely. And I don't need somebody else to be just like plugging in to the planner that, that thing it's, I think it's interesting too, just thinking about shame. Like I almost feel like people who are neurotypical these days might feel ashamed that they're not neurodivergent the way that like the TikTok memes are being served and like and I want people who are neurodivergent to like really I love this idea of the superpower embracing it and then working with the other side but it's almost like being normal or like normal who knows what that is but like or or average makes you average I guess Mm -hmm. maybe is Mm -hmm. is like and that's like I refuse to be average, but yeah, I wonder if there's a discomfort there or if it's just that it was something, I don't know. I have issues with diagnoses, right. With Mm -hmm. like, like talking about like ticking boxes and then being like, so that means you need to do this thing. So Mm -hmm. that I don't know that this is necessarily like, like the theme of this podcast, but I do think it's a, an interesting thing that there is there are so many more diagnoses of neurodivergent conditions than there ever were before. Yeah, I, it's it's an interesting topic, right? Because when I interview people to be clients, I say, uh, do you have ADHD? And they'll be like, yes. And I'm like, have you been, in, been diagnosed? And so whether or not they actually have it, they have some kind of problem that is related to focus or, you know, finishing projects or whatever. And so it's like, if you need medical management, that is when the actual diagnosis needs to happen. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I think for the most part, most people can really benefit from creating some really good routines and really good um, structure and strategies, because you're right. Like in this world right now, it seems like everybody wants to be different, which is interesting because it's like soon there's going to be like the, you know, quote, normal or neurotypical person who's going to be like the odd one out. And then yeah. everybody's going to want to be like that quote, normal neurotypical. I mean, it's just society is hilarious. And this is just how things go. Right. Mm. We're all fucked up in our own ways. Mm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Right. Like there's just always somebody always has something. And I think like for the most part, people just want to be happy and want to be successful. And as an emergency nurse, I have seen people's lives and early and far too young, or I've seen people who just have not lived their lives to the fullest to their own, you know, them admitting that. And so 
I just want to help people to maximize their life as best as possible Mm. and to live out their dreams because no matter who you are, you can make your dreams for the most part come true, you know, through like manifesting or, you know, putting that intention out there and like doing the work, but you have to identify what your strengths are and what your struggles are and work with your strengths as much as you can. But then, you know, find strategies to get around your struggles, Mm -hmm. no matter who you are, whether or not you've been diagnosed. Mm -hmm. Okay. So say you are diagnosed or just are almost diagnosed. You maybe don't need medication, but are there some ways that like, uh, being neurodivergent could be a superpower in business as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think for sure that the, the hyper-focus, the only, so with the hyper-focus, it is a double-edged sword, 100%, because then depending on what they have going on in their lives, uh, one of my clients, she has a business and will hyper-focus, but to the point where she doesn't eat for mm-hmm. a long time, she literally forgets to eat or there are issues like housework or whatever, like it, it does affect her life negatively. So it's managing like to harness that and to almost learn how to create that. So that is something that I work with my clients on is like, because they'll say like, I can hyper-focus, but I have no control over what it, when it is or what it's on. And so that is something we have to work on. And it honestly is like different for with every individual person. Mm -hmm. The other thing is like I said, that creativity is absolutely massive because if they can learn how to harness that creativity, it's the, it's the same as the hyper-focus. Those two things in particular can be huge. And if you look at some of the hugest billionaires in the world, like Richard Branson, he's one of them. So a lot of them, they won't say like they're neurodiverse. They'll say like they're, they're an innovator, Mm. you know, because they can come up with these ideas. So a lot of people with ADHD, they can come up with 10 to a hundred ideas a day. And it's just a matter of deciding like what to actually like hone in on and decide like, what am I going to do with this? And then it's the next steps that can't be a challenge. And that is why it's actually helpful for them to have a coach because they need to figure out what to do next and what is worth sort of like focusing on. So that is sort of everything with ADHD. Well, not everything has a pro for like, really, but a lot of things that can be like, even, you know, the hyperactivity, like that kind of energy can be absolutely huge. It's interesting. Like with my, my middle son who was diagnosed first, most adults are like, I can't wait to see what this kid is like as an adult, but his struggles as a child are huge. Mm -hmm. But he, if he learns how to like really get a handle on them, like he could do anything and, and any adult, who actually wants to do something and make a change in their life, they can do something. They just have to learn how to harness those pros and then sort of like manage the the cons. Hmm. Yeah, this isn't business related, but I think I'm totally attracted to people who hyper fixate on things. Like I'm like at least 50% sapiosexual. So like, if you like can take me down a rabbit hole in almost anything and be like really like informed and excited about it. I'm like, Oh, that's very attractive. Right. Like that, that <laughs> totally. ability to like take something apart and put it back together or like just go deep down the internet rabbit hole and actually come up with like some interesting truths. I think it's like 
uh, I think it's exciting and really cool, but not eating that's problematic, right? I can, I can see where maybe also just like community support, like maybe it isn't, maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be a med. It has to be like someone who brings you lunch, right? Like there's probably, I mean, yeah, there's probably so many different ways to support these things. As long as we're not, I love what you're talking about is about not seeing them as uh, something to be ashamed of or as, as problematic. And I, I just, I, almost any dis-ease, I hate thinking of as like something wrong with you, right? It's, that is so disempowering. So if you can let your, your neurodivergencies be a superpower or even just like not something that you have to focus on, like making better. I understand what you're saying around like, supporting to, to work with, but like not something that needs to change about you. And then you can just like feel proud of who you are as a person that's going to make doing the work to deal with whatever your traumas are and all of that jazz to actually create the life you want so much easier than if life is hard. And then you're also annoyed by your personality traits. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that makes me think of this article that Charles Eisenstein wrote years and years ago, but it was about like depression and anxiety more specifically, but as a symptom of cultural deficits Mm. and like collective issues that this is not arising within you because there's something wrong with you. It's arising because there's something wrong with the way that our external structures are set up to support us or more astutely, like lack of support. Mm -hmm. So I think there's elements of that woven in as well, because we're simply, I mean, my son is obsessed with getting a phone. He's eight years old. I'm like, you're not getting a phone until you're probably 16, maybe. And we've got kids in his class that have cell phones. And like those distraction mechanisms are absolutely everywhere. Mm. So there's like that external and internal and genetic and like multi, multifaceted pieces at play here. But yeah, I love what you said. It all comes back to like every single person wants to live a good life and have it be meaningful and not look back and regret that they weren't able to do what they wanted to do. So I think it's really, it's really beautiful that you're helping in this aspect to change that for them. Thank you very much. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. It's, it means a lot because I think that, especially like we talked about, like the genetics, like turning things off and on, like, I don't know how a person would not have that gene turned on right now. Right. Yeah. Like the whole epigenetic um, concept that, yeah, that maybe we all have that gene Mm -hmm. somewhere and definitely it's being activated with our external chaos. Let's talk about that and digital clutter. I, I just want to touch on this because my own Google drive is a bit of a disaster, you know, inbox craziness, the AIDS, social media, the news, like 
how do we manage that as entrepreneurs? Oh boy. You know, that is an interesting one because for a long time I've said, I digitize things and I do, but you know, digitizing things, I, you know, digitize 10 things and suddenly you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) So it's like your desktop, it needs to be organized. So a lot of people, they develop like a system or like a common, you know, naming system or whatever within their business. And that's what's handy. Like for you with your team, you know, you guys might have some way that you have things organized. So for me, I have my Google Drive organized where I have things labeled. Like, you know, it could be like media or emails or, you know, my YouTube channel. And then within that, I have things. And it took a long time to get to that point because all of a sudden I just had all of this digital clutter and on our phones, there's so much digital clutter also. And so every Friday I have a reminder, and this is something your husband may also want to try, but it doesn't always work for people, but it has to basically be an alarm (laughs) that they have to turn off. But I have a reminder that I need to declutter my photos at four o'clock on Friday. And one of my good friends actually from high school, from the coots, she decluttered half of her photos. She had 20,000. She's down to 11,000. I mean, whoa, right? Like (laughs) if I think about my box of photos under the stairs and then everything I've had since like 2005, it's just, you know, been a complete, complete difference. And so I think that really it, it does come down to a lot of us, we just get overwhelmed and And we think like, oh gosh, like I have all of this like digital clutter and what am I going to do? And, and a huge part is just coming up with a plan and being like, what is the problem and what do I need to do? And so you could say like, number one, I have way too many photos. Number two, I have way too many emails. Number three, I need to keep track of my like finance because it's online now and literally plug those times into your weekly calendar if you can. And like I said, not everybody can manage that sort of thing, but if you have it as it's like a standing appointment, like on Mondays at four o'clock, that's when I look through my mint to make sure like all of my finances sort of like falling under the right categories. And same with email. Email is something that can be out of control massively. And I honestly, I need to consolidate some email addresses because I think I have like 10, I swear. So... (laughs) Well, I just thought of that, um, that tool unroll.me. Do you know about this? No, I'm going to write it. So you can basically plug in any email address and it will bring up a list of all the email lists that you are subscribed to. And if you subscribe to mine, please don't unsubscribe, but it'll bring that list up. And then you can just like check off the ones that you want to unsubscribe and it automatically unsubscribes. It's pretty cool. But I also wanted to share that I have multiple email addresses, not as many as Dawn, but I have one that I keep at inbox zero and I really manage it well, I got to say. But I have another one that is like, I think 139,000 unread (laughs) emails. And that's the one I use to sign up for like, Mm -hmm if I just need to sign up for something and I don't actually want to have it in my in regular inbox every day. So it's sort of like my, I don't actually really look at this that much email. Um, but when I do, it is quite anxiety inducing still. Yeah. 
That would be an easy one to just delete all, I feel like. Right. Totally. I would I wouldn't miss. I wouldn't no. miss anything. Yeah. And it's funny because there was some Apple update and somehow my mail on Apple, it just automatically, if I delete something, I was so used to things getting like going to the trash and staying there forever. So it was like, it's gone if you delete it. And so I, well, another thing I do to keep track of my emails is I have folders on the side. And so I've got, you know, like for family things and for like, there's a cat rescue we foster kittens for. So if you hear like crazy noises in the background, it's them <laughs> like that. Um, or, you know, like other things. And so it's, it's really good to keep, um, or, you know, like I've got learning and home services, right? Because if we were getting like, we need an electrician to come because the power goes out all the time. Right. And so we are, so it's really good to keep your inbox at zero if you can and see it as a to-do list and not to check your email until you are actually ready to deal with whatever you're mm. looking at. And I feel like this is something that is a real struggle to deal with because a lot of us we get, and me, me included really, is we get in the loop of like, I will check Instagram, I'll check my Gmail, then I'll check my personal email, then I'll check my you know YouTube stats or whatever. And it's like a loop of like distraction, dopamine, you know, mm -hmm. junkiness. Meanwhile, what I really need is to just be very intentional, set a time and be like, I will check email at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. And like, mm -hmm. that's it. So I'll let you know when I do that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when people do that. Uh, actually. And some people have like, they just have like an auto responder. And it's like, just so you know, I check my email in the morning and in the evening and also, I want to have an autoresponder that's like, don't expect me to get back to you within the next couple of days. Like, I think that we are so conditioned to think that we have to respond to every message. Like, I just can't even talk about clutter. Like, there, <laughs> like, I mean, Shanti and I are like, there's another new Slack group. I'm in her mastermind. So I'm like, yay, another place I can talk to you in. But like, where can I find the conversation? I don't know. Right. Um, I was thinking about like decluttering your email list. So not your emails, but your actual, like your constant contact or your active campaign or your MailChimp or whatever. And like, I wonder how many, um, I mean, and maybe this is just the same thing as segmenting and I'm just like plugging Shanti's quiz course, like <laughs> I grow with quizzes and then segment your list with your quiz. But yeah, there, I think that like all of our, all of our businesses would probably do better to have like a, a bet, like a, I'm working with Interact right now to clean up an 180,000 person list. That's hilarious, right? Like it, it'd be great if there were some conventions, like you said, like in the morning, having your routines are happening or whatever that just cleaned up those lists on their own. But yeah, it just made me think that could be another, an, not another place for your business to go maybe, but like a complimentary business, like you can teach people how to be minimalists in their lives. And then you have like someone you refer them to, to like minimalize their email list. I worked with a VA for a while and she set me up with all these different folders. And now I don't know where emails go because <laughs> someone's like, I emailed you. I'm like, no, you didn't. I didn't see it in my inbox. So that that's like not quite as, a, as appropriate for me. I'm like, oh, oh. I have a client's folder, do I? Um, yeah. It, you know, it's funny because like, like I, I would love 
and I, I'm tempted to do this and just be like, hey, do you want to just unsubscribe from me? Like, just like, I feel like we're not jiving. And I, I mean, I, I think you could do that. I could really see like a copywriter writing like an absolutely awesome email saying that, right? Did you do that, Shanti? Oh, yeah, we do it. We It's automated too. So it's if someone doesn't open an email for 90 days, which now it's like, okay, we've had these iOS updates where our open rates are not accurate, but it still works because the open rates are inaccurate in, in as far as it's saying that it's red when it's not red. Yeah. That makes sense. So anyways, yeah, we have that. And, and it's like, maybe it's time for us to consciously uncouple. This is one of the subject lines. And even better than that, she gives away a swipe file for the sequence. So like, it's pretty meta as Shanti thinks, but if you want that sequence, Robin, just don't open an email. No, don't just ask her. She'll send it to you. (laughs) But like, so like the second or third email in the sequence is like, click on this to get a, um, what am I, why can't I remember what it's called? Tell me what it's called again, Shanti. Oh, a list scrub sequence. And then it's literally just the emails that, um, Shanti wrote for her list scrub. And then we like templatize them as we do. But yeah, that's a thing. And you probably should do it. I think we pay per subscriber. So like, yeah, you know, or at a per subscriber level or whatever, depending on, on what you use. That's good. I actually did not know that it, I think that I was worried that it was showing people didn't open when they did. So if, if it's like, no, no, I, I, yeah, that's good because I love deleting chunks of people, but I guess I could give them notice. I mean, (laughs) it's honestly, I feel like, yeah, we could talk about email and sort of like the entitlement of some people, but it honestly, I just am like, bye. Anytime like on YouTube, for example, when somebody unsubscribes, I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Because I feel like if we're not jiving, that's totally fine. Like we don't need to be in each other's universes because I just want to have like all of the good energy. And I'm actually very fortunate in that I don't usually get a lot of negative comments, Mm -hmm. but if I do, I'm like, okay, like, we'll see you later. Like, I don't, I don't need you around. And it's, it's like anywhere in, in business. Like we just don't need those extra, extra people dragging us down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can we, talk about your YouTube channel a little bit because it's sure. super impressive. Mm-hmm. You're, you're really talented at video editing and like all of it. It just, when I look at, when I see your videos, I'm like, whoa, how much time is Robin spending every week working on these videos? Like these are really good. And I'm so curious how you've, how you've grown that and what that journey has looked like. Well, it's funny because I started YouTube over three years ago, and it was a garden channel, but it took the joy away from gardening (laughs) so much. So I want to go in my garden just to like zen out and relax, and I don't want it to be content related. So then I moved into minimalism because I really want to help people like to, you know, like really create the, their environment and like thus the life that they love. So I was really 
struggling time-wise. And until, I mean, YouTube does not pay well until you have like massive subscribers, but I make enough now that I can pay a video editor because I was loving editing. It's so fun. Like it's such a great creative outlet, but I, it, it took like so many hours per video. So now as soon as I had like enough, like close to enough money to hire an editor, I did because that is huge. And, and when I talk about minimalism, often I'm talking about like minimizing like a bunch of things in your life. Like, you know, a lot of people I know, I know certain people, their kids are in like four or five dance classes and like the dance mom world is like intense. And so I have three boys, so, you know, only one of them ever did dance. So I'm kind of lucky for that, but it's like about life overall, like not being committed to so many things. So having your kids and so many things and like, you know, like over committing to anything. And so it was the same with YouTube because YouTube is something that for a long time you do it and you're basically volunteering <laughs> and eventually you make like a little bit of money. And I was like, as soon as I make money, I am investing in this because I am investing in myself and my own time. And I have my editor who I absolutely love. And I basically like beg her, like, please don't ever leave. And if you're ever going to leave, you need to give me like a lot of notice. So it's, it's something that I love and I do spend a lot of time on and I'm trying to help people as best I can. Like that is just why I was put on this earth. Like I'm a nurse. I always love bringing people morphine and warm blankets because I want them to feel better. Right. So that is sort of like where YouTube has come about. Like I can't help, but like try to help people, but I have to be really careful about um, the energy as usual. Right. Yeah. I love that point of minimalism, not just being about stuff, but about obligations and commitments and what you spend your time on and where you can get more support. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, where can we learn from you? Where, where do you want to send our listeners who want more Robin in their life? Well, my website is minimalisthome.ca. So there's a link to my YouTube channel. My YouTube is called Minimalist Home. So that is where you can find me and, you know, Instagram there too. So there's a link for there on the website. So yeah, I'm so glad you guys have me here. It was so fun. It was so nice to meet you guys or to meet you, Dawn. I met Sean Shanti before, but mm. my IG buddy. Yay. Thank you so much for coming on. Mm-hmm. Yep, we're going to have to make a trip out to the island to visit you. Yes, definitely. I'd love that. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Whoa, look at you listening to the very end. We are so deeply grateful for you and borderline obsessed with hearing what resonated most and how you're taking the seeds planted in these conversations and sowing them in your life and business. It would mean more than you know if you would share this episode with a friend or subscribe, rate, leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Your reviews tell the algos behind the apps that we are worth pressing play on. So please, if you're feeling generous, take two minutes to share the love. And if you are curious around what your unique advantage is in this wild and wacky online world, take the unfair advantage quiz at shantyzack.com 
forward slash UA quiz. And thank you again, sunshine. Go light up the world and we'll see you next time.